There was a post in the grill, a groundbreaking study that shows babies of rich black women die at higher rates than those of poor white women. Is the problem race or racism? Hello and welcome to CocoaPods podcast, a podcast of the Birth Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation. My name is Dr. Bola Sogadi. I'm the host of this public education podcast. Today, we're very fortunate to have with us Professor Hedy Hedwig Lee, Professor of Sociology at Duke University in North Carolina and Visiting Professor of Sociology at Washington University in St. Louis. Professor Lee, thank you so much for coming to CocoaPods podcast this morning. I'm glad to be here and talk to you. Thank you. Um, you know, on Valentine's Day in 2023, there was a post in the grill, a groundbreaking study that shows babies of rich Black women die at higher rates than those of poor white women. And I read some of the comments and a lot of them focus on the question that is the problem race or racism? How could racism impede the maternity health of Black women? Yeah, I think that this is a question that a lot of the public has. I just want to clarify a few things. One is the recent study that came out is a study confirming or at least reaffirming what we've known for a long time. So uh, disparities, there have always been uh, birth outcome disparities in the United States because of, for lots of structural reasons that do relate very closely with racism. But this isn't the first study to show that African-American women with high levels of education and income and wealth still have poor birth outcomes than women of comparable socioeconomic status, but also to women of lower socioeconomic status. And it's not just descriptive. I mean, there's work that's been done that has controlled for lots of things, like differences in behaviors, et cetera, and we still see these differences. And most social scientists, population health scientists, and even medical um, researchers would argue that these differences are not biological or necessarily behavioral, that we need to be looking outside of those things to understand why we see those differences. So I guess, so one, I would say that research is groundbreaking, but it's actually not new. We know this and we've known it for a long time. People have been trying to fix it. And then two, which I haven't gotten to, is this difference between race and racism is, is tricky, right? Because race is not biological. It's a social construct. Race doesn't cause anything. We make race in the U.S. Racism, it's in our institutions, but it's something that is uh, perpetuated by individual actions and collective actions and the things that institutions do. Um, so. I don't think race can do anything. Race can't cause anything. We have to think about factors that drive why we see health differences because of how a person looks, right? And I can talk more about that, but I just think sometimes it's tricky, just even this debate between race and racism, because it's a misunderstanding of what race is. Race isn't biological. It's a demographic characteristic. I mean, there's lots of people who would identify as African-American. Can we say that that is the risk factor for poor birth outcomes? No. What's the risk is the, the racist ways that people are treated and institutions that treat individuals differently now and historically that have led to um, differences in birth outcomes. You know, one of the comments uh, that I read after this publication was remove race and check behaviors 
of all new mothers before you blame it on race. Obesity from bad choices in diet and choice of being too sedentary is probably the biggest issues, followed by the mother living around violent people. And I ask, is this by choice of the mother? And some of the other comments talked about new pots and greasy food and being 100 pounds overweight is much more of a health indicator than color or income. So is it truly all about behaviors and bad choices and less about race? You know, what are all the factors that would make a Black woman make poor diet choices, be sedentary, and live around violent people and or have sex soon after a childbirth? Okay, there's a couple of things to think about here. I'm speaking as a social scientist, population health scientist, demographer. And so I'm not a physician, um, though I do work with physicians in some of the uh, interdisciplinary research that I do. To be sure, we understand that behaviors matter when you're pregnant, right? The behaviors you engage in, your health, um, taking care of your health is really important as well as that of the baby, right? So that's why we, you know, why it's so important to get prenatal care. And that's why it's so important to sort of engage in the behaviors that are suggested to you by your physician. So I want to put that aside um, because I think that there's, there's ways in which that's being conflated with race that are problematic. And this is why I think that's the case. One is, um, so there's different types of studies. So some studies show racial differences in birth outcomes, just writ large. So on average, you know, what is risk by race? And others that are looking um, at, as the one you mentioned, or others that sort of compare birth outcomes for Black women based on their socioeconomic status. By that, I mean your wealth or your income or your education, right? Compared to white women and their educational and socioeconomic status and maybe other racial and ethnic groups. Um, But there's also been lots of research done that has tried to adjust for all the things that we're talking about. So we know um, that the individuals with certain kinds of chronic health conditions who engage in certain kinds of behaviors may have more risky birth outcomes. And so research that has tried to understand and unpack uh, racial differences in birth outcomes does adjust for those kinds of things. So there's ways in which you can conduct statistical analysis to adjust for these factors. And even in that kind of research, where these kinds of things that are being argued might be explaining the differences, which I'm going to talk about too, because I actually, I think that that's a very strong contention. But even in that research, you see these differences. And so that begs the question, what other things matter? So if you're comparing a birth outcome for Black women and white women, and you're adjusting for things like income and health behaviors and chronic disease conditions, et cetera, what else is happening that is leading to disparate birth outcomes? And a lot of researchers focus on that. And there's many other things that are often not talked about that do actually relate to um, racism or bias, suggesting that uh, there's differential treatment by physicians in terms of birth outcomes. There was a recent paper that was discussing these kinds of um, issues too, that depending on the characteristics of the doctor and the characteristics of the mother, what kinds of birth outcomes do you see, for example? And there's also other factors that can impact um, maternal health and maybe even fetal health. Like some of this work is in progress. So I'm happy to try to follow up with what we know. We don't know all of this yet, but um, lots of people talk about chronic stressors. And so what does it mean to be chronically stressed? 
when we're thinking about individuals in the Black community, we can think of different scenarios, but um, women who might be facing uh, discrimination at work, in their communities, and in other places and spaces, what does it mean to have to deal with that kind of discrimination, right? We know that African-Americans experience um, higher levels of discrimination in different places and spaces. Lots of research has shown discrimination in the labor market, for example. What does that mean for your chronic stress? And we know chronic stress is very much associated with health outcomes for um, women and their children. That's one. I, th- I think the other thing that like, so this was a big comment, um, but there's a lot of like so- sort of stereotyping that's happening here. So Yes, there are differences in obesity rates by race and gender. Those have been documented. Um, But it's also sort of a misunderstanding of the fact that these things don't happen by osmosis. There is a rhyme and reason for why we see poor health outcomes between Black and white individuals across all health outcomes. And if this isn't just about behavior, right, this is there are other things that are driving sort of these outcomes some of the same factors that are why African-Americans are more likely to live in poorer neighborhoods. And some of that is because of discrimination as well. Redlining, uh, processes that happen when individuals are trying to buy a home, where they're steered to buy homes. Some of this is because of histories of segregation, places that have been historically segregated, differences in mortgage lending practices. There was a recent paper, uh, New York Times article in the Washington Post, about a professor who studies racial housing inequality he was putting his house, I don't know if you saw this, but he was putting his house for sale. He got it appraised and he was having it appraised. He had, you know, his family pictures, et cetera. And he was there. The home was appraised a lot lower than he had expected, you know, given um, where he was living, et cetera. So he he took out the pictures of his family, put in some pictures of, of white individuals and had his friend come to be the stand-in for the appraisal. I think the appraisal was upwards of, I'm, don't quote me on this, but $200,000 more. So there's ways in which bias is operating that even impact where you live. This idea that these are all choices that individuals ignore, systematic ways in, in which individuals are discriminated against, and it's blaming the victim instead of thinking about the structural factors that are leading to higher rates of obesity, less access to healthy foods because you're living in sec- segregated neighborhoods, higher levels of stress, which actually sometimes when you're very stressed, you might eat more. <laughs> that, that might be one way to cope with your stress and not thinking critically about the social factors. When I teach medical students, I love to do this um, exercise called "But Why." Um, I don't know if your daughter ever did this in medical school, but um, uh, you know, maybe there'll be a person presenting with a particular condition, and you'll ask, like, "Why is this person presenting with this condition? Like, why is this person coming in not having had prenatal care?" When you keep asking, "But why? But why? But why?" You soon get to the social factors. Oh, this person doesn't have housing. Oh, this person has structural factors that have led to this outcome. People don't want to choose to be unhealthy. I mean, people want to be healthy and happy and thriving. People want to have healthy, happy, thriving babies. Thank you so much for that comment. Um, You know, Black women face humongous everyday and ongoing disadvantages uh, stemming from a lot of reasons. And you talked about some of the reasons, such as their lives are less valued. There is a lack of family wealth, and this might be caused by racist government policies. So because of this, they don't have disposable income for health matters not covered by insurance. And there are other continuing biases like you talked about. And Mm -hmm. you pointed us into how this contributes to why a woman can be 
or very sick in maternal morbidity, or she could actually die in maternal mortality from pregnancy. Another comment after this article blames some of these factors on parenting quality rather than structural racism. So is lower quality of parenting pervasive in a particular group of people like black people? And how could this be associated with multiple household risk factors that affect a mother's or a baby's health? Yeah, you always have really good detailed questions. So one thing that I, I didn't mention before, but I think is related is you started the podcast talking about, you know, research showing that high socioeconomic status black women have birth outcomes similar to those of low or sometimes worse than those of low socioeconomic status white women. Um, so uh, I just want to mention that again, because it suggests that we need to be thinking about other factors that might be driving differences, right? And there's lots of ways to think about this. One is just because you have high income as an African-American woman doesn't mean it affords you the same kinds of outcomes, right? So we know that Black people, even when they have higher levels of income, are still living in more segregated areas because of some of the things we talked about earlier, right? We know that even though you can be a Black woman that's highly successful in your job and career, that you face other kinds of daily discrimination and experiences that can also impact your mental health and physical health in important ways that can impact your health and the health of a child. We also know that African-American individuals who have high levels of education, their income is not necessarily always commensurate to those of a person with the same level of education who's white. So just because you have this level of education, it doesn't afford you the same neighborhoods and maybe not even the same income in some cases, right? We also know there's huge wealth disparities, as was mentioned before. Wealth is very different than income, right? Wealth is something that's intergenerational. We know Historically, because of slavery and then because of discriminatory practices post-emancipation led to huge differences in wealth inequalities. It's even hard to think about ways in which those could be closed completely because of the gap that we began with, right? Wealth is really important in terms of what it means for your health and well-being. Having wealth gives you security, right? Because just because you have a job doesn't mean you're always going to have a job, right? Uh, Most of us don't have you know, a guaranteed job, we could get sick. Also, differences in wealth, sort of a different starting point when we think. So when we're comparing, you know, like let's compare like a black woman OBGYN to a white woman OBGYN, like on average, you know, like for for most black women, they're going to have little to no wealth because of these historical practices, because the way wealth is built is across generations. So even if we don't talk about the historical scenario, we can just think about two women who have gone through college and finishing medical school to become physicians, the amount of debt that might be accumulated because of schooling may be different. Individuals who have wealth from their parents, maybe their parents are able to pay for that. So there's no debt there. Uh, When a person gets married, paying for a wedding, (laughs) a parent can do that, help a person with a down payment on their home. So you can see how two people who have the same income are looking very different in terms of already the wealth accumulation, right? Because if you're already in debt because of educational loans and then trying to buy a home, and then also knowing that there's discriminatory practices based on your race for those kinds of purchases, all these things matter and like create these larger gaps in wealth, even for people who are high income. I'm saying that just to help us understand why we might see differences that don't have to do with behavior. So that's first. And then second, this parenting quality question, from my read of the literature, 
a lot of, at least in the sociological work, suggests that while there are racial differences in parenting, the idea that parenting quality is racialized, on average, there's like racial differences in parenting quality is, is not something that is uh, a social fact. I mean, I think that's something that could be debated. There are racial differences in parenting, often because African-American parents have to worry about things for the well-being of their children that white parents don't have to worry about, such as you know how to interact with police officers, for example. And also, there has been work recently that I am you know more familiar with that suggests these ideas that there are socioeconomic differences in parenting. There's problems with that interpretation. What we've learned is that you know most parents want to give their kids all the opportunities. It's just some people have more constraints, like some people don't have job flexibility or additional money, but we all want to do that for our kids on average, no matter what our socioeconomic status. I know there might be cultural differences in parenting because I know, yeah. you know, coming from an African culture, mm-hmm. I know that uh, your mom could just give you one look, like not uh-huh. to do something yeah. without raising a finger and you get it, you know? So I think there might be definitely cultural differences in parenting. Right. No. So I think that there are differences, but the question is, is that the quality different? And so that's what I'm getting at. So there are, you know, differences um, parenting like that are cultural based on country of origin, based on immigrant generation, based on where you live in the country, et cetera. But then measuring the quality of that parenting is where it's tricky because parenting is context based. Right. And so I guess every parent wants to think they're parenting the best, but I think the jury is still out on on that. At least in the research, but I could be wrong. Somebody can put it in the comments in the podcast. Thank you. Another comment was, um, regardless, the old race card is wearing really thin. The edges are frayed, the corners are bent, and the print is barely legible. It's time to look in the mirror and determine the real root cause of everything negative or bad disproportionately affecting Blacks. And this is a comment that somebody posted after that uh, paper. Mm. And I know we've alluded to this here and there. So, but just before, as we move on Mm. in this topic, what else is really affecting Blacks that some people think is absent in Hispanics and maybe the American Indians? Yeah, we do. In the U.S., we focus a lot on understanding Black and white. There's reasons for that. And some of it is related to where we have data. And so um, probably the most robust data we have after data on, on whites is, is on Blacks. So we know the most like historically and over time to be able to even measure differences, right? Um, but to be sure, there are huge disparities between whites and Native Americans and also um, other indigenous peoples in some of the U.S. territories, et cetera, or former territories that we don't often think about, but are really important. And I think we've seen those bear out uh, when we've examined, uh, you know, COVID-19, for example. So uh, Native populations are definitely experiencing health burdens and often due to other histories of structural racism and colonialism that have impacted the health and well-being of those communities. There was a report that just came out um, that focuses on Native American populations documenting the federally funded schools in which Native American children were forcibly removed from their families to, to go to these boarding schools where they were often mistreated, experienced severe forms of deprivation, um, et cetera. This is documented by the federal government. And I'm here summarizing, so may not have the details uh, perfectly accurate. So, you know, please go refer to this report that is out. 
um, also detailing that the federal government uh, used money from treaties that were meant to be used for Native Americans for their own well-being to fund these boarding schools, again, where children were forcibly removed and often mistreated. So there are other histories of racism and, and racial violence that have current consequences. Just because this happened a long time ago doesn't mean it doesn't impact you. This was the experience of a great-grandparent or grandparent. There's research that suggests that this is going to have long-term consequences. I don't want to say these things as though um, Native American communities or African American communities are not working towards resisting these kinds of experiences and and improving community outcomes and, and advocacy, et cetera. But I think it's just to say this idea that... Um, you know, the race card is frayed is problematic because it's a misunderstanding of our racial history and the severe consequences it has. And also uh, only focusing on African-Americans or Black Americans is problematic because it also makes invisible other harms that have been done. And even when we look at the Latinx community, first of all, the Latinx community is very diverse and lots of work that has, even for birth outcomes that has been done, when you sort of... um disentangle or when you um, do some more nuanced analysis of the Latinx community, you find that birth outcomes look different depending on the group you're talking about. So outcomes for Puerto Rican populations, a territory of the U.S. are poorer than those for Mexican populations. And also lots of birth outcomes get worse over time for people the longer they're in the United States, right? So people who are essentially healthy coming to the U.S. experience poor birth outcomes or their kids do, right? And so what does that mean for living in the U.S.? It, to me, that suggests that, you know, racism is alive and well uh, in certain ways that has implications, because that means a person who is a first-generation immigrant coming to the U.S., that they can't expect that their children are going to have the same kinds of birth outcomes, right? And why? We have been talking to Professor Hedy Hedwig Lee, Professor of Sociology, at Duke University in North Carolina and visiting professor of sociology at Washington University in St. Louis. Next time. I think there's a larger case to be made that improving health outcomes, reducing disparities and improving like systems and structures likely will have positive effects for our entire population because inequality hurts everyone in certain ways, right? Thank you for listening to CocoaPods podcast. Please visit our website at birthcenterfoundation.com. That is B-I-R-T-H-C-E-N-T-E-R foundation.com to learn more. This is your host, Dr. Bola Sogadi.